Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. Praise the Lord. It is good to be in God's house today. It is good to be in the Lord's presence today. I'm so glad I don't belong to a dead religion where I just go through the motions and 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 I don't sense God near and, and I but I do. I know God is near. I sense his presence. I sense the peace that he gives us. I I know when God uh, is uh, blesses me with joy and I know when the Lord disciplines me when I go uh, the wrong way in life. I thank the Lord for that. I thank Him that He cares. And I thank Him for His Word. We've been preaching through Acts and we are going to be starting with Acts chapter 20. We're actually going to do both 20 and 21 today. And so let's get into it. Verse 1 in chapter 20 says, After the uproar was over, Paul sent for the disciples, encouraged them, and after saying goodbye, departed to go to Macedonia. What uproar was that? Well, that was the riots at Ephesus that we talked about last week. <clears throat> so Paul sent for the disciples, and, and, and when they came to him, and he encouraged them. This passage that we're going to be going through actually illustrates uh, ways to encourage someone. As Christian brothers and sisters, our job is to encourage one another. What do we mean by that? Uh, to give support, uh, to provide confidence, to provide hope to somebody. That is encouragement. And the first way we, we encourage one another as exemplified by this passage, is to give to others. We give people, other people our time and our money. We have, uh, there, there's, there's need. We, we, we uh, as Christians, are, are expected to give generously without begrudging giving. A mark of Christian maturity is how much you give percentage-wise of your, your income. The second way we encourage one another is to visit with others. That's a giving of time. <clears throat> to sit down with somebody and talk with them and, and uh, find out what's going on in their life, what challenges they're facing. What can I pray for you about? What's bothering you? <clears throat> to get to know them as people, to know what, what, uh, what passions they have, what talents they have. It should Interaction between brothers and sisters in Christ should happen more than just uh, in, in church service. I tried to... <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to still try, as long as the, the, the ladies, uh, as long as they actually start coming to church, um, I'm going to encourage them, the, the three young women that 
that are relatively uh, still baby Christians, I'm trying to encourage them to get together to have Bible studies with each other. Where they actually meet together of their own accord and read God's Word and talk about it and pray about it. That would be a huge boost if I get them to do that during the week sometime. <clears throat> that would be a huge boost to them. Encouraging one another by, by, by visiting. Another way we encourage one another is to serve with others. And, and we do that. Um, we Normally, normal circumstances, we have ample opportunities for us as Servants Heart Chapel to serve with each other. We try. Uh, this pandemic has kind of limited that. But whether it's a prayer station at the county fair or we're doing cookout for somebody or we're cleaning up an old person's yard or passing out carnations for Mother's Day or <clears throat> um, helping somebody move. We've done that before where somebody's been kicked out of their house and they... They don't have a truck to move their stuff, and they're kind of stuck on that. They're serving with other. When we serve with each other, that that's an encouragement. There's a couple of major barriers to to <clears throat> encouraging others. The first barrier is let yourself get too busy. Oh, I'd love to help out. I'd love to do this, but I'm so busy. That's probably the reason I'm going to get for people not being in church today. Is, Paul, I'm sorry, Pastor, we wanted to come, but we were just so busy. We just didn't have, we didn't have time. And it's really not about busyness, it's about priorities. Too busy is never a good reason for anything. If it's really important enough, you're going to find time to do it. Always. Another barrier to being encouraging others is another barrier being encouraging others is being self-centered, being self-focused. I'm not worried about anybody else because I'm too busy, too busy again, <clears throat> too busy looking at myself, my own needs, my own wants. Oh, I've got to, um, I'm going to, there's been some, uh, some families that hardly ever make it to church because they're always planning some camping trip or, or a fishing outing on the weekend. So they're often gone. They, they might come to church once a month and they, they hardly ever uh, participate in any, anything with anybody else because they have their own lives are leading, things are doing. Um, they're so, they're so focused on themselves and not anybody else around them. You know, encouraging, we, we're, 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 we want, as Christians, we want to be encouraging to others, but all too often we end up being discouraging to others. And there's actually nine different ways in which we can be discouraging to someone else, another brother or sister in Christ. The first way is anytime we are being harsh or critical towards someone. <clears throat> We're uncharitable. 
you should have known better. You, you, you know, just this attitude of uh, not being forgiving and being harsh on somebody, that is discouraging to somebody. And we never want to do that. Another way we discourage others is if we become angry. I've mentioned before, you know, God gave us anger to have a good purpose to it. It's intended to drive us to to resolve an injustice, to protect somebody. But all too often, as as humans, we become angry for sinful reasons. And we're angry with another brother or sister in Christ. Are, are you truly angry because of some sin? Or is it because you've been put out, inconvenienced, pride has been hurt, whatever, a, sin, a sinful reason, being angry. And that will well, result in discouragement. Third reason we become discouraging of people is when we envy others. Oh, I wish I had what that person had. I wish I wish I had what you had have. That's discouraging. Instead of the person, instead of being happy with what God has blessed them, they. They become discouraged about it and think, oh, I, I shouldn't have this. Something's wrong because life is are going with the way they have with me. The fifth way we discourage others is by avoiding them. I hate that. I've seen people... Uh, <clears throat> Filled phone calls from another person who really, probably, really needs to talk. And I go, oh, I don't feel like messing that person. And you don't know what's going on with them right then. You don't know if they need, I need to talk to somebody right now. I'm in a bad place in life. I, and, 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 and they call somebody they, they, they're hoping they can trust and will answer the phone. And that person doesn't answer the phone. They're never available. They can't make it over. It's discouraging. The fourth way we we discourage others is we disrespect them. That's a form of of despising somebody, to disrespect them. And you're telling them, you're not the same level I am. You're not like me. You're of lesser value than me. That's what you're telling somebody when you disrespect them. And all these are sins, by the way. <clears throat> I think I missed something, didn't I? Because I already talked about avoiding. So number one is being harsh or critical. Number two is being angry. Number three is envying. Number four is disrespect. Number five is avoidance. Number six... Being too busy, we already talked about that, but 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just too busy. I don't have time for you. I've got too much going on. Number seven, bragging on ourselves. You ever not been something like that? No matter what you've accomplished, they've accomplished more. Oh, I you know I I did this and I did that and I'm yeah you know, a lot of that in the military. The eighth way we discourage others and we don't have patience for it with them. No patience. And that's you know oh I'm I'm done with you. I don't have time for this. Lack of patience. That's discouraging to others. And finally, the ninth way we discourage others is gossip. We speak negatively about someone to someone else. That person finds out that's discouraging. I thought you liked me. I thought we were friends. All these ways we discourage others. Hey, uh, years ago, when I, I assisted pastor in a church in Florida, I had started a men's prayer breakfast, a monthly men's prayer breakfast, and and I was able to to get men to come to that who who weren't coming to church. So they're um, they needed to hear about Jesus, and I'm I'm excited about it, you know. And, and we're cooking breakfast for the guys, and we're having these wonderful talks and prayers. And I noticed there was one man in our church that never seemed to show up for these prayer breakfasts. And he lived just down the road from the church. And so finally I asked him about it. And he said, "Uh, it's a farce. That's the reason he gave me. It's a farce. It's fake. It's not real. That was discouraging. I don't know how or why, but he had in his head that I wasn't doing the Lord's work. I wasn't doing anything at all about spreading the gospel or encouraging anybody in the Lord. And uh, he didn't bother asking. He just heard, oh, we're having a prayer breakfast. He didn't know what that was. I don't know if he'd ever been attended one or not. Probably not. Probably never attended a prayer breakfast. But he made up his mind And that was a little discouraging. This man was a, a challenge for me. Um, he was a different kind of guy. And definitely full of himself and definitely you know, walking with God for these many years. A lot of spiritual pride. You got to be careful about that. When you walk with God for so long, it's really easy to fall into spiritual pride and think, well, I've got it all figured out. I remember when I would preach, he would sit there and and read his Bible. He wasn't interested in anything I had to say. He came to church like he was supposed to. But he didn't think I had anything of value for him. That was discouraging. How did I deal with it? At first I was discouraged and I... 
and I, you know, this guy was acting like an enemy, right? And I, I, would, I would routinely forgive him for different things that he said or did, being critical. I remember um, I had preached, uh, my grandfather was a preacher, and I had preached a sermon that he had preached. Um, and uh, the, you know, his, uh, this guy's grandson asked me about it and said, you know, was that your, you know, was that sermon from your grandfather? I said, well, yeah, it originated from him. And uh, he said, well, yeah, my, grand, my grandpa figured uh, basically because it was, it was, it was good. And so it must've been from him. And uh, what he didn't know was that sermon <clears throat> that I got from my grandfather was a very, very thin outline of his like three or four main points, and that was pretty much it. It had the scripture passage and the three main points, and I I filled in the rest. Uh, but he he um. <clears throat> He jumped to conclusions and figured I just completely stole a sermon from my grandfather and passed it off as my own. That was discouraging. The church that I went to, actually, to be honest, now that I think about it, there was a lot of challenges. Um, there were rumors that I was getting my sermons from the internet. Um and I tried to quash his sermons. I, when, I, when I heard that rumor, I, I uh, tried to quash it. I, I made it very clear. I, I publicly said in front of everybody, I am not just getting my sermons from the Internet. I might get an outline from the Internet. I might get a story from the, uh, an illustration from the Internet. Uh, but I'm not just printing out whole sermons. And, and I, am, I am doing that. And that was back when I was a manuscript preacher. So I would write out all my sermons word by word. And, and I found out later that the rumor was still going on. They completely didn't believe me. They thought I was lying about it. That was discouraging. You say, Pastor Daryl, there's uh, people doing a lot of discouraging things in this church that you're assistant pastor of. And I said, yeah. Yeah, it was, but I love them, and I forgave them, and I asked God for help during those times. It was, it was, it was hard. And God helped me, and I have no bitterness towards any of them. I, for, you know, forgave them, and, and I've moved on. And I thank God for that. Well, we are not going to go through chapters 20 and 21 today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because we haven't even gotten past the first verse. Wow. Well, let's, go, let's go to verse 2. When... He had passed through those areas 
and exhorted them at length, he came to Greece. Now to exhort is to urge someone to do something. And those are two, so there's two things a pastor and a Christian, uh, a pastor should always do and Christians should do with each other is to encourage and exhort. List them up, encourage them, give them hope, give them support, but also urge them in the right direction. Like when I see those who missed church today, when I see them again, I'm going to lift them up. And You can do this. Don't let the devil win. Come to church next time. And before you even do that, this next week, spend time with God in prayer. And obey God. Everything He tells you to do, obey Him. There's going to be a lot of encouragement and exhortation this week. Verse 3, stayed there three months, and when he was about to set sail for Syria, a plot was devised against him by the Jews, so a decision was made to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by uh, Sopater, son of Pyrrhus, from Berea, and Aristarchus, and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, and Tychicus, and Tropimus from Asia, these men went on ahead and waited for us in Trous, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. In five days we reached them at Trous, where we spent seven days. In verse 7, on the first day of the week we assembled to break bread. And Paul spoke to them. From the very beginning, Christians have gathered together on Sunday, the first day of the week, to celebrate the Lord's resurrection, hear the Lord's word, and break bread together. That's what we're doing. We'll be breaking bread before long. We're celebrating the Lord's resurrection, and I'm giving to you the Lord's word. Listening to uh, the Lord's Word, listening to preaching is an important part of the worship experience. During this time, you, 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 it's important to, to actually actively listen and not just be here with your mind somewhere else. All too often people, they, they, they're thinking about everything but what's going on right now. And if you listen to a sermon, the cool thing is it's not dependent upon me to successfully uh, give you some truth that you can apply to your life. I share what the Lord lays on my heart, and the Holy Spirit uses that to speak to each individual heart right where you are at. And that is fantastic. I love that. I love how God can bring conviction upon things and, and bring encouragement uh, through things. 
Uh, things that I don't, and there's things going on in your life that I don't know anything about. There's some people listening to the podcast of the sermon that I have never met. We have quite a few people that listen to these sermons, and, and I've never met them. I have no idea where they are, who they, where they live. You know, they're welcome to email me. Um, but I don't know their heart. God does. And can use use a sermon, but there's there's response. We have responsibility. It's not all on God to listen to sermons in a specific way. Did you know that God expects us to listen humbly, listen with humility? I don't have it all figured out. I need God's help. We're to listen intently, not thinking about, uh, well, there's not much sporting events going on right now, but not thinking about something else going on this week or whatever. I remember um, when I was a kid going to church, there was one young woman who came to church and uh, she would, uh, I was watch her, I'd watch her write letters uh, during uh, the preaching. She'd write letters to people. And then I, I've seen people balance their checkbooks uh, during the sermon. And it's funny uh, looking out into the audience. You have uh, people tend to think that that you can't see what they're doing. I've seen all kinds of funny stuff. They have they're on their phones messing around on Facebook. I can tell. You know, I can I know what this motion is. This swiping upward. I know what that is. I know you're on some uh, infinity pool type app, whether it's Pinterest or or uh, uh, Facebook or any of the other social media sites. Uh, you're scrolling down, not paying at all attention to the service. You need to listen intently. You also need to listen biblically. What does that mean? That means don't just take my word for it. Whenever you listen to me or any other preacher or read a, a book on Christianity, you always need to match it up with what the Bible says. And if it doesn't match up, then you don't need to be listening to it. If I ever say anything that's unbiblical, do not listen to me. In fact, come to me about it and let's talk about it. Because I want to be in line with Scripture. You need to listen personally. What does this mean to me personally? How does it affect my life? What does this mean to me, God? What, what's being said here, the truth being said? You need to listen communally, not just about me, but about others too. God, what I'm hearing, how can that, I use that to help somebody else? You need to listen practically. How is it going to... How does this affect my behavior, my life, day-to-day, Lord? And finally, you need to listen gratefully. <clears throat> listen with gratitude. So the first day of the week, they, they, they met, they, they broke bread together, and Paul 
spoke to them and, and continuing verse 7. And since he was about to depart, the next day he extended his, his message until midnight. He talked for a long time. Because, and why? Because he knew he wasn't coming back. If, if I knew God called me somewhere and I knew I wasn't coming back here ever again, I would probably have a lot to say. And so he preached until midnight, verse 8. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were assembled. And a young man named Eutychus was sitting on a windowsill and sank into a deep sleep as Paul kept on speaking. And when he was overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was picked up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, embraced him, and said, Don't be alarmed, for his life is in him. Praise the Lord. God healed that boy. After going upstairs, breaking the bread and eating, Paul conversed a considerable time until dawn. So he continued to talk all night long. Talk people, asking, answering questions, I'm sure, asking questions. Then he left. And verse 12 says, They brought the boy home alive and were greatly comforted. Praise the Lord for that. Then in verse 13, we went on ahead to the ship and sailed for Assos, intending to take Paul on board there for these were his instructions since he himself was going by land. When he met us at Assos, he, he uh, took them on board and came to Mytilene. Sailing from there, the next day we arrived in Chios. The following day we crossed over to Samos. The next day to that, we came to Miletus. For Paul decided to sail past Ephesus so he would not have, time, not have to spend time in Asia because he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem if possible for the day of Pentecost. He wanted to be back in Jerusalem by, Pente- by Pentecost. And so he was trying to rush to make it back in time. Now next week we're going to get into a farewell address Paul gives to the Ephesian elders, the, the elders of the Ephesian church. And, and there's a lot there, a lot of wonderful stuff, and I look forward to uh, preaching that. We'll start there next week, Lord willing. Let us stay. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, ServantsHeartChapel.org. We also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.